0: knowing that I was bitten by a monkey is knowing a fact about me, but that doesn't bring anyone any closer to knowing me than they were before. And Mm. that's kind of the way that I used it. Now, (sighs) as, as I've worked on processing things, I'm much more willing now to actually, you know, bring up, yes, I grew up in Africa. This is, this is where i lived. this is why i lived there i knew it was a shield to an extent i didn't know the extent to which i was trying to lock people out i knew that i wanted to lock people out of certain parts of my life because i had locked myself out of certain parts of my life
1: Feeling like a-
2: This is Kuman. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we look into our past to discover our
3: present. If you're wondering if um we're coming back for season 5, uh we are. We have uh actually our guests lined up for next season. Tonight we're episode we're, we're recording our second to last episode of season 4. I I truly can't believe that we're here. The response this season that we've gotten uh, from everyone in the community of missionary kids who have been listening to the show, who have been listening to our amazing guests has honestly been pretty life-changing for me. Um, I get so much out of talking with our guests. I get so much from hearing these stories that I relate to that um bring up things that I didn't realize I needed to process, memories that I thought I had forgotten that have been reawakened <laughs> and have helped me interpret or explain the current reality that I'm in um, and why uh, I look at things the way I do, why I react to things the way that I do. And it's so amazing. It's been so amazing to, to hear that that same process has been valuable, um, to everyone listening. I want to thank all of our amazing guests that we've had this season so far, uh, the authenticity that you've brought, um, the, uh, vulnerability and in the maturity of like, not only talking about the, the sorrow, the sweetness and the joy, you know, uh, the sorrow the pain the the beautiful parts as well about our our experiences um but bringing that into the present and uh really looking at our lives now and how we're maturing as adults and how we're carrying those things forward with us to make us the full people that we want to be so enough of my pontificating um i have been chasing this uh, missionary kid Uh, all across the internet, uh, to get him to come on the show. I think I started messaging with him when we met on Twitter. And then we ended up on Facebook in in the same group. And I said, oh my goodness, are you the same Preston? He said, yes, I'm the same Preston. Uh, I have been trying to get him to come on the show for at least six months, maybe more. Um, And we finally got him tonight. You know, the, The stars aligned. And I'm really excited to introduce... Um, our third Nigeria MK, I believe you are our third Nigeria MK, uh, Preston, tell us a little bit about yourself, run us through, uh, the planes, trains, and automobiles of your, your childhood and, and your life now, you know, build that timeline for us.
0: Well, there, I'm a little bit different from most of your guests in that I was homeschooled for the entirety K-12. That's uh, right. Even when I was in the U.S., I was homeschooled. So that's that's a big difference. Uh, mm-hmm. when I, I was kind of born into a, a planned mission family. Uh, we just didn't happen to move permanently until I was seven when we moved to Nigeria. Uh, we lived there for four years. Uh, then we moved back to the U.S. where my dad worked on a Ph.D. And then uh, later on, we wound up living in Eswatini for three years. Uh, left there when I was 18. Uh, in between, there were sojourns in other places, uh, Namibia, Zambia, Then I graduated from a small Christian college in Alabama. Very briefly, I went into ministry. I got married. I left the ministry. I left my church for the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, which may be something else new for this podcast. Uh, Had three sons, got divorced, got remarried. It's been a very interesting uh, journey, especially recently. Of course, one reason why we weren't able to Uh, record six months ago is because I was working on getting married so uh, that's been a a big thing also in recent years I've been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder uh, which I've learned thanks to this podcast is quite common apparently among MKs Uh, so that's that's been a big thing and yeah, it's, currently it, that's I'm... wow wow whoa I, yeah, yeah.
2: I was just blown away okay so this was like you spoke for a minute but you took me like
3: <laughs> that's a lifetime already different
2: yes directions yeah. I, I i cannot wait till you divulge into the yeah. many different <laughs> nuances of your life
3: and, and, and neurodivergence has been a real theme this 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 season and i'm so happy for it but preston we're throwing it back to you keep going
0: I was going to say now I'm a librarian, which Fox news assures me means that I long for the downfall of all Western civilization as <laughs> librarians are very much on the outs right now. Uh, so that's, that's interesting that, uh, although I tried to avoid ministry and missions, now I'm almost in a different sort of missions where I'm just trying to get people to check their sources and, you know, actually back up what they're trying to say. Um, uh, as opposed to just buying whatever their preferred news media sells them.
3: That's, um. that's, a, uh, oh, my, this is my one and only homeschooled joke. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is that's a homeschooler talking. No, you're supposed to listen to the teacher and do whatever the teacher says. That's the way school works. Didn't you know that Preston, this whole <laughs> investigate for yourself thing? No, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I guess there is some truth to that, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that. Although it was was interesting too. In in one of my first semesters of college, I don't remember if it was my first or my second semester. I got marked off for disagreeing with the teacher, uh, even though I I cited my sources, uh, but you know they they weren't good enough. So there you go.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, so take so you mentioned several uh, Namibia, Zambia, uh, Nigeria. Uh, take us back there. What did what did childhood look like for you? And you know what what memories have been coming up for you from that time?
0: Well, it, it's been very interesting, and and I know I'm not the only guest that has said things like this. Uh, I can't remember who it was it might have been Ben maybe that was recently on for a second time uh, that was had, had discussed new memories that were formed and for a long time I did not remember anything uh, especially from Nigeria I remembered a lot from from my late teens and now as I've I've worked through things as I've processed things I've realized that I actually remember a lot it just took digging through some of the the negatives to get to the memories and to really allow them to open out. Uh, I'm going to say John's sister is my hero. Uh, that's, that's something that I've gained from this podcast uh, because that's the number one memory that I have from Nigeria is getting touched. Every time you leave the house, it was so frustrating you're always getting your hair pulled. Um, And, you know, and, and of course, other touches as well that have been discussed at different times. Uh, And I really kind of wish that I'd just taken to biting everybody who touched me without my consent. That just, that, that just should have been the response. Uh, You know, that (laughs) I probably would have gotten, you know, multiple whoopings until I was black and blue, but I, I think it would have been worth it looking back, you know, just, just eventually the word gets around. Don't touch that crazy white kid. He'll, he'll haul off and bite you.
3: <laughs> the rabid <laughs> white kid. So you're referring to us. So we had a, a a previous guest this season. Uh, his name's John. The episode is called John and he was allowed to tell his sister, allowed, allowed him to tell one story. And it was uh, from the Philippines uh you know, people were pinching her cheeks and things like that and she hauled off and, and bit somebody's finger and uh you know obviously caused quite a stir um but that that story stuck out to you
0: yeah, oh it did because you know that's that's the thing uh, uh of course my mom cut my hair growing up as as so many other people's moms did on here that was quite normal uh but even it's just now gotten to so that I can go get a haircut without getting a panic attack because Mm -hmm. just there's so much of it. And and that's just my number one memory uh, is definitely that. Uh, But there are a lot of other memories that I have as well. Uh, And uh, we, we, we lived in, on a uh, a campus of a Bible college. So th- this was basically training people for uh, teaching religious education classes in the Nigerian school system. And uh, Nigeria is an exceptionally crowded country. Uh, they're there are just people everywhere. Uh, I've heard one out of every five Africans is a Nigerian. uh, And and I feel like one out of every five Nigerians lived within about a hundred miles of where we were. (laughs) That, that part may not be completely accurate, but it's, it's fairly close to that. It was very densely populated. Uh, Despite not being in a city, uh, this was, was village, you know, probably two hours away from the closest thing that would have been considered a Western style city in any sense, but it was still uh, very densely populated. Um, so, so that's, that's where we lived during the four years that we were in Nigeria. Uh, the I'm losing my head and my train of thought here. Take your time. (laughs) See, I wrote down everything. I just didn't write it in order. Um, So (laughs) we we arrived in Nigeria and uh, my dad got malaria about five days after we got in the country. Uh, Nigeria is, I think, malaria central. I'm sure areas like the Congo probably have it worse. Um, uh, and then I, I was the second to get malaria. Oh, no. Um, uh, no. and, and so malaria is another big memory. Uh, I know I had it twice a year. I know my dad had it twice a year. Other members of my family, I think got a little bit luckier. Uh, they probably didn't quite average twice a year, but I think we all averaged at least once a year. Uh, that's, it's, it's just part of life and that's with taking, mm you know, malaria prophylactics that were available at the time. And it was just normal. Uh, the other big thing was there was no medical care readily available. Mm. People showed up at our house to get basic first aid, basic medical care, uh, because the hospitals that were close by half the time were not open. Mm. Um, there was a hospital about an hour away that was consistently open and it was staffed by, by a Welsh doctor who we got to know quite well because, you know, we were, we were all mission, we were all missionaries. uh, And that he was uh, trained as an obstetrician, but, you know, if he had to, he would attempt brain surgery because he was the only person to do it. There wasn't anybody to refer anyone to. (laughs) Yeah uh, that was uh yeah. that was the way it was. So I remember the first time we had malaria or the first time I had malaria. Uh we had just started school and a boy showed up on our porch with tropical ulcers that just basically holes in his legs to the bone.
3: Oh my god. Uh, and
0: and and the reason why I remember this so clearly is you know, he had to come back every day to get those dressings changed. So I remember he showed up and I got sick. And then by about the time I was better for malaria, his, his wounds had healed enough so that he wasn't having to come back every day. Um, yeah, that, that, that was just a, a part of the way that things were, it was extremely humid rainforest conditions. So, uh, if you got a scratch and didn't take care of it it would get infected very easily
2: oh yeah wow. mm.
0: hey,
2: can I can I ask moving on from malaria maybe too quick <laughs> but I want to hear your monkey story first up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah Preston, I, I you dingled there before we I teased we it with yeah. a good
0: pet monkey story. So that, this is my yeah. And it is. Uh, it, this is a legitimately good pet monkey story. I will warn you, it does not start out sounding that way. So, okay. uh, so my brother technically had the pet monkey, but uh, there was a, a family... With uh, three children that had uh, they they overlapped with us for about six or seven months, and they had originally had the monkey. When they left, uh, we inherited the monkey. My brother was the the main person who took care of it, but I would get in the in the cage with it. We had a we had a fairly nice cage for it. Uh, you know, it was it was a, a pretty friendly monkey. Uh, Well, my older brothers are seven and five years older than me. Uh, And my younger brother, seven years younger than me, uh, he was not uh, he was not there when we initially got the monkey. Uh, But anyway, they had gone to stay with some other Americans in a city that was about two or three hours away. And so I was assigned to feed the monkey. Well, my arm was a lot shorter than my brother's arm. I I could not reach the food dish well enough to put the food in. So I'm about maybe 10 years old at the time. I'm nine or 10 in my young stupidity. I thought I'll just move this dish closer to me. And, uh, monkeys shockingly do not like when you handle their food dish. (laughs) So I I got (laughs) a a fairly severe bite on the back of my hand. I still have a, a, a fairly nice scar from it. Uh, So that, that's the pet monkey. And you fast forward 26 years now, I haven't been on a first date since Bush was president and I'm trying to figure out a way, how do I get people to swipe right on my dating profile? So I put, I was bit by a monkey. And so my now wife swipes right. So she can ask about was I really bit by a monkey and how did that happen? So, you know, worth it monkeys may not be the best pets but that that worked out very nicely uh it's a very happy pet monkey story uh unfortunately i don't know whether that monkey had a better or worse ending than 2j uh he escaped several times and the last time he escaped he never came back which meant that he was eaten uh because Oh yeah, they eat everything. Uh dog mm-hmm. is um, kind of the specialty in that part of Nigeria, but they don't mm-hmm. advertise it as dog. It's either J five or four oh four, or at least it was twenty five years ago. Uh, which are two models of Peugeot because uh Nigeria's typically been ruled by uh, Muslim tribes from the northern part of the country. So they don't like to see dog meat advertised for sale. So mm-hmm. uh so it's J5 or 404. Uh, I don't know that I've ever eaten a uh, dog or monkey because our policy was don't ask, don't tell.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I, I definitely I definitely have. Um but yeah, you know that was uh, you know pretty pretty common in the Philippines too. You know stray dogs dogs everywhere, and um you know every once in a while you hit one with your car, and someone would come out come out in the street, pick it up, haul it away, and um yeah that's that's dinner um, it, you know like <laughs> waste not waste not want not. um it's a weird thing it's a weird thing to see that as a kid, and then go home and pet your dog you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so it, the monkey story ended great though. Like, like thinking, is, is that one of those memories that was, was locked away? Well, clearly it wasn't because you put it on your dating profile, but thinking about that now, I, I'm I'm going to do the first, just bring that back to, to the present now in your life. When you think about a story like that, you know, how does, how does that part of your life show up today?
0: Well, that that part, I, I, you know, I couldn't really forget because I had the reminder on the back of my hand. Uh, (laughs) So that wasn't something that was locked away so much Uh, for a long time. That was the part that I would show to people uh, Mm. because it's funny and it's weird and it doesn't encourage a lot of questions. Uh, Especially if you just bring up the monkey ran off and got eaten. People Mm. don't want to ask any more questions. After that. (laughs) And so. You. If if you want to. You have to answer something. Of course when people ask about your background. Uh, And so. This was a fairly common thing. I used it almost like a shield. For a long time. That I have these. Funny weird stories. That I can tell. uh, But they don't really touch me Mm. uh you know it's knowing that i was bitten by a monkey is knowing a fact about me but that doesn't bring anyone any closer to knowing me than they were before and Mm. that's kind of the way that i used it now as as I've worked on processing things, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I haven't met that many people uh, since I've really been processing things, but it's it's not something that I bring up anymore. I'm much more willing now to actually you know bring up yes, I grew up in Africa this is this is where I live, this is why I lived there. Those kind of things are much more accessible and I don't mind people asking and people digging the way that I I used to. And, uh, you know, and part of that is because I I'm a lot more confident as far as what I know and what I remember. And the other is just that I'm a lot more comfortable talking uh, about things in general.
1: Hmm.
2: so before
3: what's another one of those well let me uh, cue yeah i want want to hear more stories too but mm -hmm. like so you had this shield did you know it was a shield
0: yes and no um i knew it was a shield to an extent I, i didn't know the extent to which i was trying to lock people out I knew that I wanted to lock people out of certain parts of my life because I had locked myself out of certain parts of my life, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that I was actually using that to prevent people getting close to me at all. Uh, And this is, this is something that I'm learning how to miss people. Mm. And, And that is a new thing for me that it's I I have heard my whole life about people missing other people. And I had my idea about what that was like, but it was all very mental. Like I didn't understand the concept of emotionally missing someone. And kind of once I figured those things out, then I came to realize I am purposely keeping people from getting close enough to me. And that's the reason why I don't understand what people really mean when they talk about missing someone. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Something, something you said earlier kind of connects back to, I, I feel like what we're talking about now, which is, you know, you mentioned um, as a kid, you know, being touched a lot, and you know, I'm a little neurodivergent myself, and you know, I care. I carry that in my body today. Um, it wasn't a physical assault, but it, I react as though I was physically assaulted, and I recoil from from touch. I'm very nervous around that sort of thing. Um, next week, or <laughs> for, or next episode, uh, we're going to be interviewing uh, an MK from Mongolia. Her name's Joy Smalley, and uh, she wrote a book about her experience. And there is a few pages that in her book that I have reread about five times. Um, and she talks about how, when we're kids on the missionary field, in order to survive, uh, we have to lie to ourselves, you know, and disassociate and say, you know, I trust my parents, I trust this situation, this is this is for the greater good this is for god this is for the ministry and we learn to just kind of separate ourselves from our body and 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 separate ourselves from the pain of lost relationships uh from having to move around um from from all of the pains and all the themes that have come up from the missionary kid experience as a kid you learn how to handle that and in fact it's a superpower. I mean, it is an amazing thing that a human being can shut down, have feeling sorrow and feeling pain. And now as an adult, like you, Preston, it's hard for me to miss someone, you know? Hmm. And uh well, oops, sorry, it, it shows up in all my relationships today that yeah. uh it's hard for me to to not. Um, use that skill that I learned as a kid to stay present in relationships and feel them. Wow
0: yeah and that is absolutely true that has I think a large uh played a large part in why my first marriage did not work out um because the, I, I I did always maintain that emotional distance but i think it's and i'm gonna go into the research for a minute but there's there's an article that's a a case study of five missionary kids that were referred to for treatment and they all had dissociative disorders but the thing is they 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 aren't missionary kids at the time they're actually adults that have re-entered the mission field and oh. so to me, it's like, not only are these MKs, these are the good MKs because we all know there's the good MKs who are the people mm-hmm. that carry on their parents' work. And and then there's the okay MKs who at least don't hurt their parents' work. And then there's the really bad MKs who, you know, are doing podcasts now I guess I was gonna (laughs) say
3: they do podcasts and (laughs) talk about their experiences and yes uh, yes
0: (laughs) and you know so so these are the good mks and they are are suffering with that and now I don't like to put much weight in that because it's a case study and Um, you know there there's there's so much that goes into that it's all very uh subjective but you know it's just interesting that that's out there that there is something that psychologists have noticed that mks do tend to dissociate and wind up with dissociative disorders uh i i do not have a dissociative disorder uh you know i have enough other diagnoses i don't need that one too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: yeah
2: what but, about now? Let me ask. Yeah, okay, or do you want to continue this thread for a bit more, Caleb?
3: Well, I I'm going to say one last thing, and then okay. Hugh, I'm going to kick it over to you, which is um, uh, the pain was there. That the trauma is there, right? We've we've all kind of come into this awareness that um, some really difficult things happened to us, and I I think that one, you know, we should celebrate that we made it through. But two, you know, going back to whether it turns into a disassociative disorder or um, uh, depression, anxiety, OCD, also I, I've noticed is can be very common. Um, uh, it, you know that if you carry those coping mechanisms into adulthood and you don't have an awareness of them, and you're not aware of how you know you're continuing to use those coping mechanisms. In current relationships, um, then that's when the problem starts. So I think so much of of the work that you've done, Preston, and I think you know the work we've done in this podcast is just trying to get an awareness of of how that experience has impacted us, um, so that we can continue to live with it. You know that that'll always be a part of us, but identifying it and understanding what it means and how it impacts us, and then um, learning to develop new ways of coping. Uh, is a big part of this process. Cuman, go for it. You're dying to ask that question.
2: <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask on the subject of missing someone. Uh, what about now, Preston? Do you get the hang of missing someone? Have you missed someone lately?
0: I think that I have. Uh... There's still that distance that I don't know exactly what other people mean. And to a certain extent that's the autism. And to a certain extent, it's being an MK and I don't know which is which. But but yes, I, I, I do think that I do miss uh, miss people now, but that's it's a new thing. Uh, And it really, I had to move past uh, the denial, I guess. You know, a lot of what we're talking about, it's really the first stage of grief uh, is just functioning like nothing happened. And you have to move past that and start feeling things. And until you do that, I don't think you're ever going to be able to really... Authentically miss someone. Oh, wow!
2: Yeah. I haven't heard someone describe it like that. We are going through the first stage of grief. You are referring to the four stages of grief, or is it five?
0: I mean, it's, it's five. I don't like talking about stages because you know they've kind of said, yeah, it's not sequential. Like mm-hmm. it was a, it was initially. Uh, presented as sequential, but you know, I was reading something the other day, and and this ties into the whole purpose of the podcast that was talking about the the different stages of grief. And um, I wasn't reading this to to do any MK processing. It was somebody that I know that is is going through a difficult time right now, and so because I'm academically inclined. I have to do research to figure out how to, how to help, how to process things with them. And, yeah, you know, one of the things that it said was that in a child denial often is, you know, just not being, you can't process what happened, So you just live as if it didn't happen. And then it went on mm-hmm. to talk about uh, bargaining and it said bargaining a lot of times looks like telling your story. And and that was kind of like a light bulb. Like, okay, this is, and the desire that we have to tell our story, and why this podcast exists, and I think why it's really uh, taken off in you know in recent years. I've only been listening to it for about a year, I think. Um, it it's because I think that the generation of mks that i belong to has reached the point where we're actually at that stage of processing that we want to tell stories and we want to share stories which is something i never wanted to do i didn't want anything to do with mks um because you know it just it all just seems so fake and you know I, i i didn't until i started processing and then i was like "Mm, let me let me see what some of these other mks are are saying and doing and let me see what the research is and things like that Uh, and now it's like oh there's tremendous healing in sharing your story Mm,
2: yes yes that's one of the biggest
3: oh go ahead yeah yeah
2: like caleb started us off uh, this season, we have seen so yeah. many positive feedbacks and Preston, you've been around for a year. Our podcast has been around for a year and a half. So you are mm-hmm. one of our early listeners.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I, I, I lost it. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I was going to say something related to that. Oh yeah. The first thing is one of the hardest things, hard, hardest reasons that I have found uh, to get people to listen to the show, to get MKs to listen to this show is the first question that I always asked is, um, do you have an episode that's uh, someone that was in my country, you know, because only, only, you know, MKs that were in this specific country, I can only relate to them, you know? And it's like, well, you know, and, and part, that's part of the reason why we've really tried to broaden all the different countries that we've done once people start listening to MK stories from around the world, they realize, oh my goodness, one, there we've got so much in common based on where we're at today. You know, like you said, Preston, um uh, we're at a point in our life where we're start we're needing to unravel these things. Carl Jung said, life begins at 40. Everything before that is just research, you know, and I feel that. I I, I definitely do. Uh, going back to this idea of um being missed, I've really been struggling at work because my work really focuses on our company culture and it's something that we talk about a lot. And our CEO has been saying, you know, you know when you belong at a place when, when you're not there, you're missed. And I've been struggling Mm, with that mm. idea because it is so hard for me to imagine that anyone would miss me, miss me because, Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, how how could I ever I get feel, you? I get you. That's always how, what I'm thinking. Yeah. So when would I ever feel that I actually belong somewhere? Because I can't imagine that if I was gone, anyone would miss miss me because I don't have that feeling. So I do feel like it plays yeah. into this, this MK experience of like, I don't really belong anywhere, even though there are people that want us to be part of their community. We're like when we walk away, we're like, oh, they won't miss me. But they do. Yeah. They do, yeah, they really do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't know.
2: Look, look, I mean, I've told the story before when I was in third grade and I was going from Manila to Davao. Now, for those of you who don't know the Philippines, Manila is the capital. Davao is like a two-hour plane ride away. And as I was moving, this was third grade. I was a third grader. The students there were saying We're going to miss you. And I turned around, looked right back at them and said, you guys are liars. You're not going to miss me. (laughs) And this, I didn't even think about this. I didn't even remember this until Ian, who Mm -hmm. has been a previous guest in season one, he brought that up. He told me that that's what I said. So Mm. imagine a third grader saying to people that they're going to miss you. You are liars. So when when would you ever feel that you belong?
3: Yeah.
1: Well, missing
0: is weakness. Missing is
3: weakness. Oh. Well, missing opens yourself up to pain. Right. Yeah.
0: And and.
3: Oh. and,
0: And and yeah, it's yeah, and it's it's healing to hear somebody that's outside of American culture say that because. You know, we often hear about America being all, you know, oh, macho, John Wayne, you know, this, that. But there's something within the missionary community that transcends just America that says, you can't be weak. Because if you're weak, you know, and and, I mean, we did, there were missionaries who came and and didn't last. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they were ever described directly as weak but yeah, they, were. they couldn't cut it yeah and you know and 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 so it's it's there and yeah you know, it, it, i i don't think i could have vocalized that at third grade but i certainly knew it now the funny thing is now if i think about the community especially that we had in nigeria uh that is the closest community that i've ever been a part of uh in that we were always you know the missionaries were always doing things together uh now there weren't with the exception of just a few months there weren't kids my age so i didn't really have kids to do things with but you know the missionaries we would get together for a more you know, Western style church service on, on Sunday nights and, and things like that. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was necessarily healthy because there were, there were certainly unhealthy parts to it. But now as I, as I look back, I see that and I see this, this was a very close knit group of people. And many of the adults are still close to each other today. And it's it's it it was it it was just very close knit, very tight. Um, and and I've never seen anything like that um, anywhere else. Of course, one of the reasons why I haven't seen anything like that anywhere else is there's not the daily challenges that require that most mm-hmm. other places. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. Hmm. yeah so but that so as you were talking about that close-knit missionary community there was a you know some memories were coming up for me too because yeah you get really close um then it all goes away you know it ends
0: yeah Uh, it 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 does and um but you know the thing was in nigeria we even had uh rituals you know the missionaries there had developed rituals surrounding coming and going Mm. that you know they were simple things they were small things but i i think that it really helped now um you know like i said it it was it was close but it was also traumatic um yeah, you know, we'd been there. We'd been in Nigeria about a year when we had a missionary who came uh, every winter from Kansas. Uh, he was a house painter. You can't paint houses in the winter in Kansas, uh, and he he was killed in probably a robbery gone bad. And my dad went to go collect his body, and yeah, you know, we took it to the to the plane to ship it back to the U.S. Uh, you know, this was. You know, it's one thing, there are songs and everything that talk about, you know, I want to die for Jesus, whatever, I'd be willing to do that. Well, it, it's it's different when it's real. Yeah. Uh, Americans can sing that and it just makes them feel certain emotions. You know, it, I really, I really could not plan ahead until recently in my life, because I just always expected that no, oh, I'm going to die soon because mm. that's, that's just kind of the way that it was.
3: Hmm. Yeah. The most, one of the most shocking things um, that I've had to come to grips with in the last couple of years is um, I'm still alive, you know, like I'm going to be <laughs> around for a while and like, like this is just going to keep going. Right. And, and I'm not doing great. Uh, my mental health isn't doing great. I didn't think I'd make it this long. And, yeah. you know, and and now I have to figure out how to make this life, what I've got left of it, the life I want to live and, and, and not just float, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it, that's it's... why. Oh, go
2: ahead.
0: Oh, I, I was going to say it, it is. The, I mean, it's the theme of the podcast to an extent. And the funny thing is, I I found this podcast, you know, I searched for missionary kid podcasts or searched for missionary kids in podcasts. It came up and I didn't listen to it uh, because John Piper has a book called Don't Waste Your Life. And so I thought this was going to be some, some uh, you know, I thought it was going to be very different from what it is. I actually listened to, uh, Caleb's episode, uh, on another podcast. And then I was like, Oh, okay. It's not going to be like that. So I can listen to it.
3: Yeah. but (laughs) That was, uh, Anna Clark Miller's, um, murder. She wrote and martyr. She wrote episode. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Like I, I saw that and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, so I actually listened to that one first, uh, and and then I then I listened to this one. But you know, it really is like we grew up with the idea of wasting your life was not being completely on fire for Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, and even if we were, and I mean, I was. I was very involved in in church and in different spiritual things for many years after I returned from the mission field. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't not wasting my life. That was just what I knew how to do. And to come to terms with, oh, I actually have to live. That's yeah. hard to come to terms with, especially mm-hmm. you know, like I I look up I'm in my late 30s and I'm like I have to figure out how to live now. Most yeah. people are doing this at half my age, and I had a student worker uh, in the library who was 19 and what had custody of uh, her like younger sister and was doing all this different stuff. I'm like you have your life all figured out. I'm twice your age. I need to get my life figured out.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh. Wow. Yeah. It, it reminds me of Jen's episode um, where she, Oh, I'm sorry. Becca's episode uh, where she said, you know, this is my first time doing, doing taxes. You know, she was at a phase in her life where she was like, I'm going to give myself grace because this is really my first time doing this. And it doesn't matter that I'm in my forties, right? Like, like it, it, it's okay. I didn't, I'm doing things out of order and that's okay. I'm gonna give myself grace and, and not have to be perfect uh, doing things that um, I should probably know how to do.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We are referring to so many previous episodes now Listeners, you really definitely need to go back and listen to those episodes you <laughs> haven't yet. There are nuggets of
3: wisdom on
2: there that you're Oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Preston, I'm, I'm wondering if we can get another story or a poem. I know you are a poet and I had asked you uh, to maybe read some poetry. So whatever you'd like to do at this point, uh, throw us another story you wanted to tell or or read us a poem.
0: I'll do a little bit of both, actually. Yeah. Uh, All right. Because matchup. W- one thing that I had, uh, one thing that I wrote down, I, I I wrote down quite a few different stories, vignettes to mm-hmm. tell, and uh, several of them had to do with ants, uh, because, well, that's a that's a big part of living in the third world in the jungle, is you have to deal with ants uh but i also wrote a poem which and and i don't typically give my poems titles but i called this one go to the ant and uh that's a a reference of course to the bible verse that tells you to go to the ant you sluggard and consider his ways and be wise uh so this is a little bit of a different take on that as children we heard the fable of foundations wisdom and folly judged in flood, as in the days of Noah, the foolish were to die in the day of the Son of Man. As ants we were, powerless next to godliness, yet ants lack an ark and survive the flood, banding together to float upon the tide, writhing mass of pure survival, unfazed by wrath of God or man. So let us float in peace together, above the preachers of death, arms reached out one to another, not up to the glory that would drown us, nor down to the fire that would burn us, but to the love we have for us and to the healing we will for each other.
2: Nice.
0: And that—that that is a reference to ants. Uh, and I did not see this in Africa. I don't know if ants in Africa do this, but uh, fire ants here in the South will form a mat of ants if there's a flood and they will ride out the flood on the top of the water by floating uh, together and uh, that's that's, uh, that, that's a different thing that ants do uh, now talking about ants reminds me of the Poisonwood Bible which is a, a great book if you are an MK and you have not read that you need to read that especially if you've been in Africa Uh, but there's, there's army ants in that book and these ants simply march and overtake whatever they feel like overtaking. Uh, they're somewhat overdramatized in the Poisonwood Bible, but they will eat large rodents. Uh, the way people in Nigeria would handle it is if the ants were coming, they'd just Leave their house, let the ants walk through, and when the ants were through, they'd go back in. Oh my goodness! Uh, because we're uh, because we're Americans, and you know our houses are a little bit complex. For that, uh, we would pour kerosene or gasoline around our house to deter mm-hmm. them from walking through. Uh, but yeah, these ants, the the army ants, are so big and so strong with their bites that uh some of the time ta- some of the traditional peoples in africa will use them as sutures if they get a cut they'll uh they'll grab one of the ants hold it up to the cut so it bites on either side and then break off the body so that it will hold their oh cut shut uh and they they, wow. they absolutely draw blood if 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 you get bitten by one, you it will draw blood. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it's quite extreme, and they they march in these lines that you know they may be a foot or even two feet wide, and they will just go until they're done going.
3: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So as as you were reading that that poem, you know when you when you said let's not reach out to the heavens above or the fires below, but out to each other. I know I'm not getting the words quite right, but you know, I, I think that very much fits with what we've been talking about and what I've been trying to process and think a lot about lately. I spent so much of my life, you know, searching for answers in the sky, you know, in my head, reaching out to the heavens and, and being terrified of the fires below. And all the parts of myself that I was told, you know, were, were sinful and dirty and bad. And all the pieces of myself I had to hide that, that um, you know, would cause me sin. And, you know, so very stuck in this place of trying to reach out to the heavens or fearing the fire below. And at the same time, um, learning to cope with trauma and shield myself from hurt. You've used the word shield several times. I built up this shield around myself that Going into adult adulthood, you know, I carried into my adulthood relationships this this space, this protection that um, impacted my ability to develop a depth of relationships and, you know, reaching out. Let's reach out to each other and and and, you know, be like those army ants where we're all working together. That's the part of me that I'm trying to work on and uh, to be present in relationships and learn new ways of of um uh actually missing people and understanding that people miss me um so reaching out to each other and not not just sitting and and trying to figure out what's going on in the heavens or avoiding the fires below that that was a perfect poem maybe the, i'm not sure if that's where you were going with that but that's how i internalized it
0: I mean, I, I'll, I'll take that as where I was going with that. Um, uh, <laughs> most of, most of the time when I write poetry, I, I, I'm not intending a message. I just get an idea or a, uh, an image in my mind and I run with that and I'm, I'm a firm believer in the death of the author, which means that once you publish something, uh, You no longer get to dictate what it means. So if that's what it means to you, then that's what it means.
1: (laughs) Mm.
2: Mm. Yes, yes. I think that's a nice place, nice spot for a finishing touch.
3: Finishing touch. What's the time on this? Oh my god. Yes. (laughs) How did we get this far into the episode? I have I wasn't watching the clock whatsoever. Preston on, on that, sh- on those, those crumpled notes that you have, were there any other last stories or last thoughts that you want to make sure um, uh, that you share before we move in, move into the end here? This is wild. This is we're so fast.
0: I mean, there, there's, there's nothing in particular. Uh, you know, I wrote down a lot of other, a lot of other things, but none of them are particularly good. I think I've hit the, highlights well it's not that they're not good but they're uh i don't think they add a tremendous amount to things or you know i could say we'll just have to do another episode with the second half of my missionary uh kid experience but uh because all the stories that i've told so far have been from the first half um
2: oh okay
0: but um but uh, you know, I'm not making demands here, uh, so there, there's not really any anything extra. Uh, yeah.
3: Now, one last final final story that um, that is is something that you you tell a lot within your family, or uh, one last MK trauma. I don't know what whatever
0: you want. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story. This is a story. My, my dad has told several times. Uh, and it's one that we actually remember the same way. So, uh, so I think it's, it's good. Uh, in Nigeria we cooked with pressurized gas that came in cylinders that were maybe about four or five feet tall. And one time one was delivered with the wrong valve that wasn't compatible with our system. So, uh, my dad had the idea that he would take off the wrong valve and put on the valve from the empty container, which, you know, would work fine if the gas wasn't pressurized, but in, no. in this case, the gas was pressurized. And so there was this, this, huge explosion of the gas escaping from the container. And I was not outside at the time, but supposedly the valve blew, you know, a hundred feet up in the air Ooh. Uh and it had to have been heard ten miles away. Uh the cylinder got covered in ice because of the sudden decompression. Yeah. Uh which is that was so many people of course they heard the noise and so they were curious about the noise. But then when they saw this ice, they'd never seen ice. You, know, you, you you didn't oh. have ice. none of these people had refrigeration in their homes uh, and so I remember so many people coming up to look at the ice that was on the outside of the cylinder uh, because they had never seen it. Uh, oh. <laughs> so so, th- so that was uh, that was a funny uh, funny thing that happened. Uh, also I'll, I'll I'll tease that we kept we kept score playing golf in Nigeria uh it, by who lost the fewest balls You counted the balls that you lost and uh <laughs> it was the same as regular golf low person wins
3: <laughs> Yeah oh that's wild Uh I think that's well, a
2: nice story too yeah.
3: So Q, final thoughts. Um, My, my, my final thoughts are, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know the best way to say this. Um, you know, I'm just glad I got Preston on, um, Preston, I've been messaging you forever. It's just never worked out. And, um, uh, I, uh, I just, you know, I felt a connection and I think that, um, I would not have done that. Prior to doing this podcast, I would have been like, um, oh, you know, Preston probably hates me, you know, <laughs> instead of, you know what I mean? Um, but I have a different <laughs> perspective on relationships now. And, you know, I think that's come up a lot during this theme uh, or during this episode as a theme is uh, how, how we approach relationships and how we our expectation for belonging and being part of relationships is so much in our head. And I'm trying to change the way that, that I view that. And um, I think the fact that we were actually able to get you on the show is just um, uh, amazing. Yeah. Q final thoughts.
2: Yeah. I was thinking what to say at the end and I figured we can say go ants.
3: <laughs> go ants." <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Preston, why this song?
0: Well, the, uh, this song was a re- was a change last minute because I heard it uh, this morning and I heard the line uh, feeling like a man uh, without a nation born in a hostage situation and that just seemed to very much sum up the MK experience.
3: Yeah. This is Lion's Den by John Moreland. All right, I'm going to play a little bit of it. And then we're going to do Go Ants, right? All right.
1: Standing on your street Straight out of the lion's den Every single place on earth I've ever been
3: All right, Q. On
2: a count of three, one, two, three. Go Ants! Go Ants.
1: You were living in a shadow when I saw you in Malmo Your bitterness really spoke to me back then And I had my doubts, but you told me to let them go. i want my welcome out but i guess you know how that goes feeling like a man